This is episode 12 with Victorian young gun batsman Will Pekofsky. Welcome to the Process of Success podcast. My name is Tom Scolle, former professional cricketer, now athlete, mentor and online entrepreneur. Each week we're going to discuss what it takes to achieve success so that you can use the tips, techniques and tactics to become your best. Whether it's sport, business, music, relationships or anything else, this is an insight into the minds and lives of some of the world's most successful people. Thanks for hanging out with me today. Now let's get into today's episode. Before we get into this week's episode, I want to give a shout out to one of our sponsors, TechShot. TechShot is a brilliant training device for any batter. It's been designed to help batters improve their technique by getting instant feedback on their contact point. One of the biggest issues that I see in batting is players losing their front side and as a result they push their hands at the ball, causing them to lose both power and control of the shot. Not anymore. TechShot makes you keep your shape and hit the ball with a high elbow. Former Australian opening batsman and now batting coach at the National Performance Centre, Chris Rogers, has has described it as an amazing tool as it's helping some of Australia's best cricketers use their shape more. To get yourself a device, head to www.techshot.com cricket.com and put in the coupon code cricket mentoring all capital letters with no spaces to get a free training video that i made on how you can use it in your training if you do purchase a device please let me know how you go with it as i'd love to hear your feedback g'day legends welcome to this episode with arguably the best young cricketer in australia This is the third of the series of interviews I did during my time in Melbourne. In this interview, I sat down with 20-year-old Will Pekovsky. Some of you may not have heard of Will yet, but I have no doubt that he will become a household name in the future. Pekovsky burst onto the scene as an 18-year-old during the Aussie Under-19 National Carnival in December 2016. He had an incredible carnival that included breaking a 22-year-old record for the most runs in the Under-19 National Carnival. During the carnival, Will scored a mammoth 650 runs in eight innings, including four centuries, and followed it up the next week with his maiden first grade 100 in Victorian Premier Cricket. Since then, he has gone on to represent Victoria in six first-class matches and four list-day matches, and has a highest first-class score of 180. Not only does Will have the runs on the board as a young player, but he has the goals and desire to reach huge heights, which I, I have no doubt he'll achieve. In this episode, we discussed how he identified that cricket was what he wanted to do and why he chose cricket over his winter sports, how he trained in and out of the season during his teenage years, how his journey has accelerated very quickly in the past couple of years and how it's been a roller coaster of a ride, what his preparation was leading up to the successful Under-19 Carnival and what he was focusing on, how he found out he was playing for Victoria and how he felt when he was waiting to bat and in the first few balls of his debut. What his goals are for the future, you'll want to hear this, plus a whole lot more. This is a brilliant episode with a bright and very skillful young player who I can't wait to see progress further. Now let's get into the interview. G'day guys, welcome back to the Process of Success podcast. I'm here today with one of Australia's brightest cricketers, uh, Will Pekofsky. I hope I've said that all right. Um, For those of you that might not know of Will, he's very early in his career, he's only 20 years old, Um, he's played six first class matches with a high score of 188 um, and four list day matches, but he's on the rise and he's going to be someone to really look out for in the future. 
enough of cricket. What is the most important thing about Wheelers? He's a Collingwood fan <laughs> and a big Pendlebury um, fan, which which is um, he he's someone I absolutely love and and um, is a big inspiration for me. So great to hear that. Back onto cricket to start with. What let's sort of go back to the start of your life. Where, where did you grow up and and what's your earliest memory of playing cricket? Uh, so I grew up in Hampton, which is just uh, a nice suburb in the southeast of of Melbourne, and I've lived there all my life and. Um, basically got into cricket through dad. Dad always played and loved it. He played grade cricket in Melbourne and then went and played subbies at Caulfield as well. So uh, he was sort of my main man that got me into cricket and there's videos of me playing since I was three and four in the backyard and then when I was seven went down to my local club at Hampton United and yeah, kicked off from there. Awesome. So three until seven was in the backyard and then was it just playing on a Saturday in, in, in um, Hampton United? Yeah, so it started just with Saturday morning cricket. I still remember sort of my first few games pretty vividly. So Well, it wasn't um, that long ago. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so we were down there. And then after a couple of years in the juniors, we started a father-son team. So we had sort of my core group of mates from school, all their dads, along with the kids, all played together on Saturday afternoons. So that's how we sort of got exposed to senior cricket originally. Awesome. And so your dad got you into it. Is he still a big part of your um, career? Yeah, he's massive. So he's a very good sounding board for me. He's pretty realistic with me about about where I'm at and with what I'm doing. He was a bowler, funny enough, but sort of his knowledge in that sort of field helps me, I think, and then vice versa. Cause yeah. He reckons he just used to slog and just couldn't stay concentrated, I guess, for long enough periods of time to hang out there. But um, yeah, obviously with the ball, sort of understanding what bowlers are doing and things along those lines are pretty handy. Awesome. And have you had many other or any other mentors along the way since, um, apart from your dad? I think I've had a fair few coaches that have influenced me quite a bit in a positive way. I had Graham Rummins in the 17s for Victoria, who I look upon really fondly and a lot of other coaches along the way that have been awesome. I had Phil Arnold who was my first sort of representative coach just in our local comp and I still sort of run into him around the traps and always enjoy talking to him but I think also Greg Shippard in recent years has been a big help and then obviously Andrew McDonald coming into the system with Victoria and Lockie Stevens have helped quite a bit in the last year or two. Awesome, nice one. Um, now at what age or yeah, what age did you start getting one-on-one -on -one coaching, I suppose? And was that with your dad to start off with? Or did you go straight to another coach early on? Or uh, I was with dad, basically. I think he's been sort of... He groomed my game probably the most out of everyone. I've had little different things here and there with a few different coaches, which have always been handy. But I think dad was coach of our team and always really passionate about it and willing to give up his shoulder and elbow quite often for me. So... Very Despite nice, that being very sore and stuff, he just kept on powering along. And then the flingers came into it a couple of years ago, which he's been really grateful <laughs> for. But I um, think a lot of fathers are <laughs> probably are. Yeah, so he, he's been the biggest influence for me, definitely, over sort of a prolonged period. Awesome. And now, how did your teenage years look then after you started playing? You started playing the father and son um, competition. When did you start think, taking it really seriously and how often were you training? I think... When I was young, I just played everything. Like I was soccer, footy, tennis, basically anything I could. I was doing swimming. Um, and I think soccer and footy was sort of winter and then cricket was summer. And then I reckon when I was about 12 or 13, I kind of identified that cricket was what I wanted to do. I loved playing soccer and footy, but 
the main difference for me was I enjoyed training for cricket, where I didn't enjoy training for the other two. I just enjoyed playing That's on the a big weekends. Part of it, yeah. So I actually like went to cricket training, and it didn't feel like a chore necessarily. Whereas with yeah, footy and soccer, I loved playing, but doing five-star handball for an hour wasn't really my goal, I didn't think. Yeah. So um, that's probably, yeah, around maybe 12, 13, 14, somewhere around there, I went, yeah, cricket's what I want to do. And I made the state under 13s when I was 11, I think, and that was sort of my first taste of, oh, maybe I'm actually not too bad at, at cricket. And then, yeah, made that again the following year. And I think after that, that's sort of been my path. And um, yeah, as I said, I've always trained because I've enjoyed it, not because anyone's told me to or I've been forced to. So I've been lucky in that regard. Well, that's a massive part of being successful, I think, enjoying what you do. Um, and so <coughs> from that sort of 11, 12, and, and you were representing your state, did you start to train three or four times a week, five times a week? How, how did it look in, in that period? I think Dad and I used to sort of find whichever indoor nets had the best reputation at the time in the local area. And in winter, we'd go there quite often. That'd probably be two, three times a week if we could. And then in season, I'd have my club trainings and then I'd always go for an extra couple of hits with Dad during the week and, and work on little things. So that was kind of how it worked out from probably through, through those years. And then 15 onwards, I probably realised I needed to sort of physically prepare myself as well. And that's also never really felt like a chore. Like I've always enjoyed doing that as well. So from that point onwards, I've been able to combine that a bit. And obviously trying to find the balance is, is tough, but after a while and sort of learning about what you need to do to make sure you're ready, I think it gets easier and easier. And I still think I'm quite a way off compared to, if you look at blokes like Cameron White and stuff in the system, they know exactly what they need and what they need to do. But um, I think I'm getting better and better at sort of knowing what I need to do as the years go on. And that's all you can ask of yourself at 20 is to yeah. just keep learning and that'll come as you get older, no doubt. Um, what age did you give up the other sports and just solely focus on cricket? And also what age, you, you mentioned maybe 15, but when did you think, okay, I want to make this as a career? Um, I think from when I was pretty young, I thought if I could, like it always felt really far away though, but I was like, that's what I want to do. I was just sort of hopeful that I'd be good enough at some stage. Um, I gave up footy actually sort of by accident. I got smacked in the head in year 11 and had a pretty severe concussion, which meant I missed the entire footy season. I got hit, I think, round one and couldn't play for the whole year. So then... Like head over the ball and knee? Uh, or actually at training. So I got like sling tackled and someone's knee was running into the contest and yeah, it went bang in the side of my head. So yeah. Um, yeah, that was a pretty rough experience, I guess. And then from there, I'd sort of prioritise cricket then anyway. And then from there, I was like, look, it's probably not the best idea to try and get myself up for footy the next year. And school were really understanding about that. So they said, yeah. no worries. And I ended up being the first 18 runner instead to sort of keep my fitness up and still be part of it, despite obviously not being able to play. Yeah, awesome. And then you mentioned the 13s. Were you in the Victorian underage system right the way through, 15s, 17s, 19s as well? Yeah, so I was lucky enough that I got sort of picked all the way through. So that was always a good checking point and like a bit of a confidence booster for me getting picked in those teams because it sort of made me feel as though yeah you're still tracking along pretty well and then um yeah there's been a few bumps in the road but sort of in the last year or two it's accelerated pretty quickly and um i was actually talking to someone about it today how much of a bit of a roller coaster the last year or two has been like i mean sort of injured then playing and done okay and got picked in teams that you just weren't expecting to be playing in and yeah, it's all been quite a roller coaster, but an exciting one nonetheless. Awesome, yeah, you've done incredibly well the last few years, which we'll get into in more detail shortly. But 
how did you progress through grade cricket as well? What, what age did you start playing grade cricket and how did you then progress up to playing first grade and, and succeeding at first grade? Yeah, so I went, I went to Melbourne when I was 14. So started in the thirds there and played basically an entire season in the thirds. I, um, I was actually wicket keeping back then as well. So we had Sammy Harpo, who's one of my good mates. He was the seconds keeper and I was the thirds keeper for that year. So I snuck a couple of games in the seconds just by default because he had school cricket or something, which was, which was handy. But um, started there and then following season started in the seconds and then season after that I was coming back from the head thing as well so started in the seconds eventually got a game in the first and then was sort of in and out for a bit that year. And what age were you in there? 16? 16 yeah. Okay playing first grade? Yeah, yeah sort of in and out of, of the first grade then and then the year after started in the first and have basically been playing first since. And yeah. how did you find playing with men at that sort of level who don't take a step back and will be more than happy to knock your head off. Yeah. How did you find that as a 16 year old? Yeah, it was pretty confronting. I remember a lot of the time when I was moving up the grades, you were sort of like, what am I doing here? Like you'd rock into the room and all these blokes, even within a club environment that you'd looked up to over the past year or two, thinking, oh gee, I'd love to play first one day. And then suddenly it hits you like uh, you're batting yeah. three today and Kenty's opening the batting and batted with Andrew Kent, who's a district legend back in Melbourne for 20 overs or something. And yeah, facing Alan Wise as well, who was, was a this former. This your debut? Yeah, this was my debut. Okay. Yeah, and at um, sixteen or fifteen? I was either no, I reckon I was sixteen. Okay, yeah, I was sixteen, and yeah, so I was batting with Kenty, facing Alan Wise at uh, Central Reserve, and just thinking like, what is going on? Like, this is awesome. Yeah, this is just like it was just. So a was it more feeling. excitement than fear? Um, I think it was a combination, combination of the two. Like, I couldn't really. I've always been a nervous cricketer, so I was obviously nervous making the step up and stuff, but. At the same time, it was one of those things where like, uh, still, this is still pretty cool. Like, I'm yeah. pretty happy that I'm here and hopefully make the most of it. But yeah, so that was one of those things where as a young bloke, you were always, you always felt like sort of the little kid as well with obviously being the younger guy in the squad. Mm -hmm. But yeah, it was definitely experience that I needed to sort of develop and grow. And then at what point did you start to feel like I'm good enough for this level? Being, like you say, you've always got a bit of self-doubt and then yeah. you, you achieve things and you do well and you start to think, okay, I belong. What point did that come for you? Um, I think I got a 70 not out against Melbourne Uni, batting at six in a one day. That was the following season though. So I think that was the point for me in first 11 cricket where I was like, yep, yeah, I'm up to it. Yeah. Like we, um, I think we were four for about 100 when I came in and I was like, oh, if I could get sort of 30 or 40 to steady the ship, that'd be awesome. And then sort of got away with a few at the end and got myself to 70. And I think that was the time where I was like, yeah, I feel settled now. Yeah. I'm sort of part of the team. Um, and as you said, it's one of those things where people can tell you you're good enough. You can try and tell yourself you're good enough, but until you actually do it, I don't think you, you fully believe yourself, it. yourself, yeah. yeah. Awesome. Um, and then you dominated your 19s carnival a couple of years ago, which we'll talk about shortly. But how did you go on the national stage when you went away for the 15s and 17s? Did you? dominate them or were you just sort of middle of the road or how did you how did they go generally um I was always I think 15s and 17s particularly as top ages I was always felt like I was going all right but I made a lot of scores between sort of 20 and 40 I think where I was like kind of frustrated because I feel good like I want to sort of get on with it but just kept on finding ways to get out and because those tournaments sort of turn around so quickly, like it's kind of five or six hits and then over a one or two week period. don't have any time to figure things out. Yeah, yeah, so it's sort of all just a bit of a rush and a bit of a blur whilst you're over there. And I remember going into the last 19s, I've been 
as a bottom major, I'd been ruled out with concussion three or four games in as well. So, and then gone to miss out on the World Cup squad. So I was a bit sort of disappointed about that. And then sort of went in the following year being, oh, I just want that, just really wanted that really strong carnival where you produce sort of performance after performance. And um, yeah, I was lucky enough to pull it off in the 19s with a bit of luck. But um, yeah, it was one of those things I think over the years you'd sort of learn, right, and I get frustrated when I get scores sort of where you get a start and then you sort of get out. So I was trying to be as ruthless as I could. And Awesome. And it was yeah. obviously showed with your results. You think you got 400s maybe on the bounce and then a, a 69. Um, what did you do in the lead up to that carnival? What was your preparation and what was your mindset and what were you focusing on leading up to that carnival? I think I'd actually been struggling a bit. I'd been <coughs> hit in the head in sort of just at the start of the season, like off a stray ball off the side of a net that had rebounded into the side of my head and I'd missed a couple of weeks. And I was sort of making my way back through Melbourne and batting sort of pretty low, batting five, six, seven, and sort of chipping in with scores of 15, 20 not out. And I sort of went over there and I was like, there's no point stressing about it, just go and enjoy yourself. Cause I just went, nah, I've had enough of these sort of injuries. Like it's getting a bit frustrating. So just going to go over there. I've got a lot of my best mates there. I get to captain like a really good bunch of guys and captain my state. So I'm just going to enjoy it and um, be part of the experience and yeah, just yeah, enjoy what Adelaide had for me. And then yeah. went over there and I think I got 20 odd in the first game and sort of called dad and was sort of saying, oh, maybe I'd do this tomorrow with my technique. And he goes, nah, what did you say before the tournament? And I was like, oh, I said, I'll just go over and sort of watch the ball and enjoy it. Keep it simple. Yeah. And I went out the next day and sort of went with that mantra and got a few runs and thought, hang on a minute, maybe this actually isn't the worst theory in the world. And then was able to back it up, obviously over a, over a few days and then thought, yeah, this is, I think my way forward, it might've clicked <laughs> for me. <laughs> I'm going all right, yeah, yeah. 400s in a row. Yeah, so it was one of those things where I think, yeah, it just clicked and I just went, yeah, that's how I'm gonna approach it from now on because worrying about little things hasn't, it's got me to a certain point, but I think it's gonna be a stressful life as a cricketer if you're too caught up on them, so just kind of embrace mm. what's in front of you. And a big thing I think for any cricketer and a thing I teach my athletes is just trusting yourself and yeah. trusting your process. And it sounds like you were doing that and you were also enjoying yourself. Yeah. And I think something that you said before was being ruthless yeah. and um, following along that carnival as I do normally and, and sort of reading over it recently, you were not out in a lot of those games as well. And yeah. then to sort of back up the next day and not think, oh, I've made runs yesterday, I'm in, on fire, I'm the best. You, you really must have been ruthless. And speaking of Andrew Walton, he said that you were scoring hundreds for Melbourne either side of the carnival as well. So yeah. you had this incredible purple patch and it wasn't very long ago. What was the hunger there, do you think? What was driving you? Was it the fact that you'd been out of the game for a while and you were just really wanting to play or? I think that definitely helped. It just gave me a bit of perspective on sort of what's important and why you sort of played cricket originally, like rather than getting caught up in the little things. And then it was just one of those things where you sort of got a taste of success and just thought, that's pretty good. That's a process that worked. Let's repeat it and mm. do it again. And obviously I think it looks good statistically, but like it's one of those things where like luck was going your way. Like mm. you hit a ball in the air that would get caught eight times out of 10 and it just goes perfectly in the gap. And you'd sort of get those little moments in your innings where you'd go, that'd be like a bit of a reality check for you if you did get a bit ahead of yourself yep. and then it was not back back to your process and just keep backing yourself. And I think back to the thing before about having that success to really believe in it is sort of what I needed. And then, yeah, obviously being able to back it up was sort of better 
in terms of me being able to build that confidence and mm. going forward. And just letting it flow and letting your physical skills just yep. just show without doubting yourself, I suppose. Yep. Um, and then coming out of that carnival, there was a fair bit of press around what you'd achieved, having broken records and, and, and done so well. How did life change after that and how did you then start dealing with expectation and pressure that came with having being the next big thing in Australian cricket? Yeah, it was... Um, it was pretty new to me, to be honest, like all the sort of attention and stuff. Like, I, as I said, I was just kind of a young kid going away and I just wanted to enjoy myself for two weeks. And sort of, I did have in the back of my head, like I want that massive tournament, but at the same time, I was sort of realistic about it and said, look, it's probably not gonna be as big as you built it up in your head to be like, as much as, um, as, much as you want it, like you just gotta trust your process and go about it the right way but yeah it was quite a whirlwind experience I think like even coming back and just in the local area like you became a bit of a rock star for a week or two because everyone's reading about it and sort of happy for you as well because I had been through sort of the I guess the head traumas that were frustrating and had knocked me out of sport for a bit of time so um, in that regard it was really positive but I've again in terms of expectation and stuff I've just always been a bit of a believer in if you do what you need to do to get ready and sort of give yourself the best chance, then the results will take care of itself. And it's more a process for me rather than a results thing. Mm. So yeah, process comes first and then results come as a matter of following a process that, that works and develops over time. Absolutely, that's why I've named the podcast The Process of Success. <laughs> it is, everyone chases the success, which is the result, but it's, it's always, it's the process that matters. It's yeah. the process that counts. Let's take a break from Will for a minute and go back to last week's episode with last season's Sheffield Shield Cricketer of the Year, fast bowler Chris Tremaine. The best players in the world know their game so well and it frustrates the hell out of me because I still don't know my game that well. Um, and when someone says, you know, just do what you do best, you go, like, you sort of have to think, what is it that I do best? And it's even a matter of perception. I mean, um, our coach, Andrew McDonald, might watch from the sideline and say, geez, Trem does that really well. And I've got no idea what he's talking about. Mm. He goes, just do what you do best. Well, I, I like bowling bounces. Can I, can yeah, I just keep doing that? All day, no, yeah. no, you got to bowl out swingers. At, at, and you go, yeah, all right, no worries. So, um, I guess the difference between them and, and the rest of us is that they know exactly what they do well. Um, A.B. de Villiers is, is the epitome of um, consistency. Just everywhere he goes, he's consistent. And it's not because he trains harder. He probably trains much harder and, and trains much smarter than most people. But he's played his game for so long that he knows, um, he knows what he needs to do to, to be consistent. Um, Keep in mind, there was a time where A.B. de Villiers was out of form and there was times where no one really knew who A.B. de Villiers was. He was still playing test cricket and he was playing for South Africa. But, um, you know, and it seems like a lifetime ago, but, you know, everyone starts somewhere and everyone is just another cricketer sometime. So, um, you know, Steve Smith knows exactly what he needs to do to, to do what he does. Um, he's got the most unorthodox sort of playing style in the, in the world at the moment. Why does it work? Because he knows how to make it work. Mm. Um, Jasper Boomerah, like frog in a blender, yeah. arm, straight arms going everywhere, hits a Yorker better than anyone I've ever seen because he knows how to do that mm. and he knows his game. And, um, and, that's, and that's solely solely down to them. So that I guess the challenge for, for kids and, and whoever might be watching this is that 
you know, find out what your game is, find out what you do really well and emulate it every time you train and every time you play and try and emulate exactly what you do well. Um, nail that down and, and, and keep, keep repeating it, keep doing it. Now let's get back to Will. And so sort of soon after that, I think it was about six weeks or so, you then debuted for Victoria in, in Sheffield Shield cricket, in first yep. class cricket. How was that experience? You were still 18, were you? And yes. How, how did you find that? And I, I, it was against New South Wales at the MCG. Yeah. I can't imagine the New South Wales boys were going, well played, yeah. mate. Well done no. at 19s. Yeah. That no, would, must was, have been um, an interesting experience. Yeah. That was probably like just the biggest mixture of emotions I've ever experienced in my life. Like I still remember on the Sunday, I got a call from Ronnie and like I hadn't been part of the squad. I wasn't contracted in any way. And I got a call from Ronnie just saying, mate, if you can make it to training this week, like, come along but if you can't that's fine also so was this the Sunday just before you played or straight after the 19s no the Sunday before I played so, so you'd, just you'd, so you'd after the 19s they didn't immediately get you involved you just went no. away back to grade cricket no so it was it kind of worked out that that was going into the big bash period so Victorian cricket had sort of split up right. over that period so I went back and yeah Ronnie called me and dad had told me he heard a whisper at the grade game the day before we were playing at that there was like an outside chance they were thinking about picking me and I'm sitting there going, nah, like, no way, that, that can't be right. Like, you just, and he's going, yeah, I was surprised as well, but that's what they said. And I was like, oh, no, that can't be right. And then got the call and said, yeah, yeah I'll make it tomorrow. I'll be, I'll be in there. And he, Ronnie came up to me, he sort of batted in the nets and it was the first time I... Can I just stop you there? What was the emotion like? What was the feeling like walking into training for the first time? Obviously, Victoria, you've got some huge names, some superstars. How did you feel as an 18 year old going into that environment? Yeah, I was pretty nervous to be honest. Like it was just, you just felt a bit out of place. Like having not been part of the squad and then halfway through the season just get plucked out to to go and train basically. But everyone was really welcoming from sort of the first minute I was there. And I don't think I've ever been so nervous for like a training session in my life, if that makes sense. Absolutely. So I was, I'm sitting there going like, how am I meant to face these blokes? Like they bowl like 140, like what am I meant to do? Like. It's a bit easier facing blokes bowling 120 in the under-19s and stuff and in grade cricket, but sort of got in, had my hit and got in the rhythm of it. And went all thought, right. Yeah, like went okay, or thought I went okay, and I was sort of walked out and Ronnie's come up to me and gone, oh, mate, you're in the squad of 14 for Wednesday's Shield game. I was sitting there going, you are kidding me. Like, I just couldn't believe it. I was like, it's probably one of those things where to reward me for sort of like a, a good patch. They'll have me in the squad, but I'll probably miss out. Like they'll go with the experience. And then, yeah, the next day I had training again with the squad of 14 and came up to me afterwards. And I was sort of like, I knew it was either to tell me, are oh, you playing or you're not playing? And he's just come up and gone, ah, yeah, so you'll be batting at five tomorrow. Good luck. And I've gone, oh my God. Wow. Like, and I've like, changed incredibly in yeah, six weeks. So I've even got the tingles now thinking about yeah. it again. And like, it was just one of those things where Got on the phone to dad as quickly as I could, giving him the, you would not believe it. Like, get work off tomorrow. Like, I'm batting five in the Shield team. And he's just gone, like, you are kidding me. Like, wow. And then I still remember that day, like, I was trying to distract myself in the afternoon because I was just absolutely nowhere. Like, I was a mixture of, like, nervous, like, excited, like, but just to the absolute extremes of sort of all ends. And yeah. um, Did you get any sleep that night? I reckon about half an hour yeah. sleep. Like, I was just nowhere. Woke up at... One of those ones where you're never fully asleep and then woke up at about four and was just sort of lying there, just staring at the wall, thinking like counting down the minutes until I had to go to the ground. Yeah. And um, then sort of won the toss and were batting, which is obviously sort of my main while yeah. I was in the team. And um, yeah, just 
I was pretty nervous, but um, after I sort of got through the first couple of balls, I sort of went nut. Like, and we, I'm really interested to know because for my debut in List A cricket, I got my, I literally got my contract, and they said similar sort of scenario. They yeah. said you're going to bat play on Tuesday against Bangladesh. Yeah. And I think I actually said Sunday. You're going to play on Sunday against Bangladesh. It was a Friday. On the Saturday night, I reckon I had 20 minutes sleep, yeah, and then I was sitting on the balcony at Lords waiting to bat, and I was falling asleep. <laughs> and I really remember sort of falling asleep and waking myself up. This isn't, this isn't happening. This isn't happening. I'm I, like, I've got to, I've got to be switched on. But when the wicket fell and I went out to bat, I was fine and didn't get any runs. But that was no excuse. But did you? just have so much energy you were okay or did you feel tired or how did that feel then? I think I was at five so when we were one wicket or no wickets down and one wicket down I was nervous without being too bad and then we lost the second wicket and I was next in and that's when it all just hit me yeah. like I was just like, I just felt like throwing up for about half an hour and then I still remember there was about 10 minutes to go before lunch and I'm just sitting there like please get through to lunch like it gives me 40 minutes to sort of at least no, I don't have to bat. And then, <laughs> like, Whitey got knocked over, I think, and I'm, I'm out there with, like, eight minutes to go before lunch. Who were you batting with? I was batting with Travis Dean, who yep. I'd batted with in the Futures League before, so that was comforting. Yep. Um, so I knew Deany reasonably well before, but yep. went out there, and I remember second ball, I got an absolute Jaffer off Harry Conway, and I'm sitting there going, like... Oh, playing miss? A, yeah, playing yeah. miss. And I'm just sitting there going, like, oh, what am I doing here? Like, this just isn't for me. <laughs> And then, yeah, sort of got through lunch and I had, I still remember I had a group of about 15 mates that obviously... Came to watch. Yeah, it just been, they were probably just as sort of unassuming as I was thinking, how is he playing? But yeah. they will come in and I sort of clip one off my pads through mid-wicket for one or two to get off the mark and you just hear this huge roar and like at the G as well when there's basically no one there, like the it's echo yeah, right through. really loud. Yeah. So that sort of was a bit of a relieving moment. I was like, oh, you're Is that away. before or after lunch? That was just before lunch. So you, you had the lunch break, yeah. knowing you've got a few yeah. first class Yeah, runs. so yeah. I was on like two or something at lunch, and I'm like, it's the hardest two I've ever made, but you yeah. know what, I'm, on, I'm off I can't ever take that away yeah. from <laughs> Yeah. And were, so, were New South Wales getting into you? I was honestly expecting them to get into me more. Yeah. Early on, they were reasonably quiet, probably because they knew I was just a nervous wreck anyway. And yeah. But then I sort of lasted a little while after lunch, and after that, started copping a bit yeah so it was a bit um a bit like that i had a few i was actually expecting smarter sledging to be honest it was all very childish right. and, which was a bit disappointing in a way <laughs> i sort of built up this expectation that everyone had come up with these real smart sledges that it doesn't like, change between nah. any level nah. I suppose. so it was yeah. just yeah real childish stuff but anyway there you go you dealt with it yeah <laughs> and then progressing um at what point did you, you score the big hundred, and and when did you, and was that the moment you thought I belong at this level? Um, yeah, I think so. So obviously, I'd sort of I'd made a few in the futures league the week before, and sort of knew there was a spot opening up because Pete was going to South Africa with the Test squad. So it was one of those things like a lot of people say cricket's a lot about timing, mm. and I sort of just timed my run well where I was sort of in form when he was leaving. So came back in and. I sort of noticed the difference in feeling from one year to the next, even though I hadn't played another Shield game in between. It was kind of like, I've been around the squad, I, I've done all the pre-season, I've played sort of a body of cricket where I feel like I'm, I'm ready to give it another go. Did, um, did you get, after the first game, your debut, did you get left out the next game? Um, so I got concussed during that game fielding. Right. And then, 
So I didn't bat in the second innings and then was ruled out of that and okay. didn't play again for the season. So right. that was another one of my concussions. But I wouldn't have played anyway because Finch and Stoinis were coming Came back. back. Yep. Yeah. And then so the next year you, you felt a bit more at ease and then Pete left, you're in form. Yeah. And you so, went back into the side. Yeah, so I was still nervous and stuff, but it was just that different. It was just that tiny bit more confidence that you had. You know what, like I, I feel like I belong a little bit. And then to obviously get 100 was huge as a, as a bit of a confidence booster coming straight back in. But um, I think, yeah, going into that game, it was a bit of a different feeling. Like you still had that really nervous energy, but um, by the time I'd sort of got in, got to 20 or 30, I was thinking, you know, like it's bloody tough out here and it's a real challenge. But I sort of, I actually remember getting to 20 and going, if I can get to 20, I can get to 40. And then if I can get to 40, I can get to 60. Keep and then sort of just building slowly in that regard. And you still felt like a bit of a young kid out there, like they were better than you and you were the one that it was on you to prove that you were up to the standard. And I still felt a little bit of that, but sort of as the innings went on, I started to grow a bit more in confidence and then obviously lucky enough to get 180 odd in the end, which was, yeah, huge as from a personal point of view, it was a bit of a confidence booster going forward. And I think something that's evident in your scores is that you get big hundreds and that's what I do think stands out from the greatest players to the not so good players. What, what's your beliefs around scoring 100? Like a lot of people get out around 100 because they feel like they've achieved and whatever. Do you, have you always thought I've got to score big hundreds or what's your thought process around that? Um, I just think if you've gone that far, you may, like it's just one of those things where I don't ever feel satisfied, I don't think, with the amount of runs I'm on. So regardless of whether I'm on five or whether I'm on 105 or 155, it's never enough. Like you just more. feel like, well, it's better being out here and you're benefiting the team more and you don't really have an excuse to go, like, why should you really go out? Unless they bowl a really good ball, you probably shouldn't be getting yourself out when you're on that score. So it's always been about keeping myself pretty level-headed all the way through in innings, I think. Yeah. And going back to that thing, I think I learnt probably from the frustration of in my, probably between 15 and 17, I made a lot of scores, maybe between, including school cricket, between 20 and 60 or 70. And that frustration of, well, you look good for 60, but Didn't win there the were just, yeah, team. and there were so many more out there. So I think from that point of view, I guess I've learned, I just want to be really ruthless. And I want to be that guy that when he does get in, he goes big and just, I think that's just, I don't know, I've just always, over the last few years, had that hunger. and. It's obviously helped me, but I'd like to get more consistent at it. But yeah, I think that's just always been it. Just never being satisfied with how many I've, I've made. And is that something that transfers across to your training as well? Like how does the 20 year old next big thing in Australian cricket, how do you keep getting better? What drives you? What's, what's your motivation right now? I think I've always had like, especially over the last couple of years, I've set myself almost unachievable goals to the point where I go, it seems unrealistic, but it means that I've always got something to strive towards. So I have this little mantra that I want to make 30 test hundreds for Australia. And it is like fairly unrealistic, but at the same time, it gives me a reason to get up in the morning, gives me a reason to go for a run. It gives me a reason to do my gym properly. And then when I'm training, you can always get better because I haven't made anywhere near. I've made zero test hundreds for Australia. So I've got quite a, um, I guess, a Gap to bridge, is that the right term? Bridge the gap, yeah. Bridge the gap, that's yep. the one. Yep. But um, yeah, so I've just got to sort of work hard in that department and yep. 
Um, that's always been my thing. Is it something that's come in more recently? I've never had that specific goal. Like it's always been I want to play for Australia successfully. Like that's been the dream, I guess. But I was actually speaking to someone about that and that's when they said, try and make it more specific for yourself. Mm. Like don't just have a dream. What's your actual goal? Mm. And I said, oh, well, I like to push myself and I just think, yeah, that'll be it. So mm. that's sort of my, my thing that I'm striving towards. And I guess having a year exposed at first class level, you kind of learn what you need to work on a lot quicker than you would if you were just playing grade cricket or yeah. just playing under 19. So that's also been a massive help having one year in the system now. I know sort of the areas of my game that I think I really need to hone in in order to be successful. And hopefully if things go well, go somewhere near achieving that goal in the future. I think that's such a great story to hear your big dream and your big goal and having clarity around that. I think so many people, they, they say, I want to play for Australia or I want to play for Victoria. And as soon as they achieve that goal that they've been working to for so long, they then get there and they're like, okay, what's next? And subconsciously they've achieved it yeah. and they don't then take any more big action. So to say, I want 30 test hundreds, yeah. you're not going to settle until you actually tick off that 30th test hundred. And yeah. that is a pretty good career at yeah. the end of it. So <laughs> yeah. I commend you for that. I think that's fantastic. And hopefully it inspires some of the younger listeners and, and followers to and viewers to really think big and, and, and push yourselves. Cause like you just said there, it's your reason why. It's your reason, why do I want to get up and go for a run? Why do I, why do I want to hit more balls? Because I want to score 30 test runs, not because, yeah. oh, I don't know. Like yeah. it's having that clarity I think is massive and thank you for sharing that. Um, now, have you done any form of mental conditioning? Is that something you've worked on in, at all? Um, in bits and pieces, I've actually, that's one of the things I've sort of put on my goals for this season to do more in that field. So. I've actually already started seeing the psychologist once a week and I've just it's a resource that we have and I guess should be, well, you don't have to use it, but I feel like could benefit me in the long run. So I've actually just been in with him today at about an hour and a half chat with him about certain things to do with my game and stuff. So and what sort of things were you focusing? What sort of things go on in that? A lot of people watching, most people watching don't have access to a psychologist, don't yeah. understand what an elite player talks to a psychologist about if you're happy to share yeah you don't have to but what sort of things do you, you talk about what sort of things can you be working on mentally so it's just mainly about developing like little processes for different facets of the game so I if it's fielding or if it's batting like I've got a set routine that I use and it's about sort of identifying that and I guess making it real. You almost, you, everyone will probably do something subconsciously that they don't realise they do in between balls, but it's probably about making that sort of real and making that repeatable and training that and honing it in and making sure it relates to you. So that's one of the fields I've been working on. And then also sort of little things like maximising your concentration. So little things like in between balls, giving yourself that time to give yourself a mental rest. So instead of thinking about the game in between balls where you're almost wasting mental energy because there's there's psychological evidence to back this up but there's a certain like amount of concentration you have basically in a day and the more you use the basically you the, your energy yeah. yeah so it was one of those things where it's like especially in four day cricket where obviously you're aware of the game situation and it applies to one day cricket as well but having that sort of clarity of mind when you need it the most is probably the thing that I want to try and maximise as much as I can. Yeah. And I think that's kind of the field that I'm going with in the psychologist and with the psychologist, sorry. And then 
other things, I know not everyone has access to a psychologist, so it's not as easy, but even little things like uni and your personal life and stuff, it's just good to talk to someone about it mm. and sort of makes cricket, I guess, easier if other facets of your life are going well as well and you've mm. got a good life balance. So just trying to achieve that and awesome. work in that regard because if it all becomes too cricket-centric, that can get a bit too much as well, I think. So it's, Absolutely, yeah. and that's a question I do ask all of our guests. How do you switch off from cricket? Are you at uni? Is that what um, I've just... So, so I was at uni and it was just getting too tough to get there and I was missing too many classes. So I've just signed up for an online thing through Open Unis Australia. Yeah, so I've got a degree through then. Yeah, so I'll be uh, starting that next week. So awesome. What are you be, studying? I'm doing business. Yep. So yeah, I'm actually really, I've never been excited to study in my life, but yep. I'm actually excited about that getting underway. Are you doing one unit every few months or how are you doing I'm structuring it? doing two units per like block. So yep. they've got, you probably had it as yep. well, like the weird system where it's not. Three the, months, no break. Yeah, yep. yeah. So that sort of thing where there's not really semesters like you normally. And will you keep that up in the season? Will you not bring it back to maybe one? I might bring it back to one, but I'll still try and tick it off because yep. I think that's going to be key for me in terms of switching off because yep. I reckon another thing I learnt being in the system is being away a lot. It's really easy when you're away to just focus on cricket because yep. that's why you're there. So like, much time in a hotel yeah. and whatever to think. and Yeah, so I'll be in Perth and the only reason I'm in Perth is to play cricket really and then when it's time to switch off, you're still thinking about the game. You're thinking about, oh, what if I do this? What if I do that? So I think that'll give me a good reason to hopefully switch off maybe at nights and stuff, even in between four-day games and stuff. So yep. that'll be really handy. Awesome. And now you're actually a published... Um, writer, <laughs> you, wrote a, to bring this you, wrote, you wrote a post um, on Manchester United for the Raw. Yeah, um, is that something you enjoy? You enjoy writing, and how, um, how did that come about? I probably enjoyed it more a few years ago, and recently I've got more into business in terms of um, that kind of stuff from an academic sense. So yeah. when I was coming out of school, I wanted to be a journalist, but that quickly vanished as soon as I'd started the course. I just didn't really enjoy it; it wasn't really for me. So. Yeah. But I do, I'm very passionate about my sports team. So yeah. I guess that gives me a way to vent my frustration if things aren't going so well. And well, It's um, been a frustrating few years <laughs> being a Pies fan. Yeah, yeah. So Twitter's another sort of platform that I kind of use sparingly. Yeah. Not to necessarily vent anger, but more say sarcastic things if my team aren't yeah. going so well. But um, I think it's just, yeah, I've always been, that's another thing that switches me off from cricket. Like I'm a huge soccer fan, I'm a huge footy fan. So that... Yeah keeps me attached to sort of other things other than cricket, which yep. is always handy. And yeah, always following your favorite players, always, I got penalties in my super coach a couple of weeks ago. So Pumped always following stuff like that. And nice, yeah. nice. And so um, what, what um, have you read any good books and what other things do you do to sort of upskill yourself and learn? Cause it sounds like it's something that does interest you. Yeah, so I've read, I'm not a huge reader if I'm honest, but I've read Sir Alex Ferguson's book on leadership, leadership yeah, which was awesome. Was good, very good. Yeah, so that sort of just gave a bit of an overview without going into obviously specific details of what he did, but his sort of key pillars for success because um, obviously all soccer fans will know like what he did is basically unprecedented and mm. just incredible. Well, we've never done again, yeah. Yeah, especially in the modern day with sort of managers changing every two weeks, it seems like. Um, but sort of reading through that and almost the thing I got out of it the most was how simple he almost kept it like all it was was about getting to know people within the club learning people's names like finding out about people's stories and things like that and then sort of working out how to manage them 
after learning about them and taking the time to get to know someone. So yeah. I just found that basic, but kind of, you don't see many people doing it, I don't yeah. think. And even within sporting teams, like you'll have different things, like the way I talk to Trem, who has been on as well, like will be different to the way I talk to someone else and just about learning those little things about people and knowing what makes them tick and hopefully yeah. being able to help them out in some way. So yeah, um, yeah he's been a huge motivation motivational tool for me in a way the yeah. way he was able to do that with man united who are one of my teams yeah. so awesome yeah great way to learn from other people you, you never yeah. have connection to but who have done great things is through reading yeah. um now as a batting coach and obviously still a cricketer myself i understand the importance of a mental routine and and especially as the ball's being delivered you just mentioned about switching off your concentration in between balls what is your process at the moment and What's your process when you're going well? How do you physically and mentally, what's your routine? Um, so when I'm batting, my main thing is, so I try and switch off as soon as the ball's been delivered and it's sort of out of play. So as soon as you've run or whatever, it's gone to the field and they're passing it around the field. So that'll genuinely go into thinking about something ridiculous. So thinking about what my dog would be doing or what my mate would be doing or something along those lines. So just a complete break from the game, I guess. And then, when I do switch back on, it's getting the two Vs of my grip right. So I so look up like that. that's the trigger for you. Yep, yeah. so that's like the first, like, all right, time to switch back on. And then sort of plant my back foot where I want it to be planted, have my front foot where I want it to be planted, and then tap. I don't actually know how many times I tap, but sort of tap until I'm comfortable, pick the bat up, and then it's all focused on the bowler. And um, I do tell myself, watch the ball, watch the ball, and then... That's still, I'm probably not at maximal concentration yet. And then I try and just ruthlessly focus, I guess, on the point of release just as it's coming out for that sort of millisecond. To so make the, sure. the, the mind saying, watch the ball, watch the ball, and the eyes are focusing all the way in the run up or as they get into their load up, or at what point do you sort of really try and hone your, narrow your focus? I reckon it's about halfway through their run up where I just go, all right, there's the ball. And then what I do is it can sort of confuse me a bit as a batter if they've got like a bit of a unique action and you kind of lose the ball. So I try and identify like a box where the ball's being released most of the time, which obviously stays consistent for most bowlers. And Do you just do that when they've got a weird action or all the no, time? No, I do it all the time, but okay. because people have weird actions, yep. I've sort of started it. Because I used to, if I tried to watch the ball the whole way and then lost it because that had almost like, I guess, hamper your concentration a little bit. Yep. So. I get the box, usually with this on the side screen, there'll be a spot where most of the time it's coming out of there and that's how I try and watch it, basically. Yeah. Instead of, yeah, follow it all the way around. Yeah. And, uh, awesome, awesome. Now, a big thing for kids, um, or anyone really, is dealing with mistakes. How have you, over your career so far, learnt to deal with a mistake in the moment? Play and miss, maybe you get dropped. Um, and also, on top of that, how have you dealt with sort of the setbacks, the injuries and the sort of times when things have been a bit tough? Yeah, um, I think mistakes in an innings is one of those things where I used to get hung up on them more than I do now. And you just sort of, um, I don't really know how I deal with it. I just kind of find a way to move on. Like probably going back to my process again and thinking about something completely away from the game and realising that you can't change it. So if you had a swing at a sort of wide one that you didn't want to, well, you got away with it move on, go think about something and then get, get back into that routine. Um, in terms of like setbacks injury-wise, it has been tough at stages, if I'm honest. Like, there's been some pretty frustrating times where I've been sitting there 
thinking like, oh, well, what's next? Like, where you, especially with a thing like concussion, where a lot of it is about rest and trying not to do much. So that has been difficult. Um, but I guess when uh, when you do sort of get on the recovery path, it's one of those things where you've got something to strive for again. So that initial period's always tough when you're not allowed to do a heap and you're kind of a bit stuck. But then moving forward once. Um, like you are back on the recovery path it's sort of that goal of getting back and then again in a weird way I'm almost appreciative for them because it's given me that perspective yeah. where I can go why did I play cricket originally because I enjoy it and I enjoy succeeding at it I enjoy winning and then yeah it getting makes back you to even more basics. hungry when you're there yeah exactly so now, we're gonna have to start wrapping up but um, the last few questions what, what's next for you now what is the next few months leading up to obviously the start of the season in October well, what are the next few months hold for you yeah so I'll just be around the Vic setup so just down at the new facility at the Junction Oval which is awesome so just down there um, training basically until we go to Malula Bar I think for a pre-season trip in sub early September and then yeah hopefully if things are going okay get picked in the JLT squad and yep. see awesome. what happens from there. Awesome now what's the best piece of advice you've ever received? It's oh, a tough one. On the spot. Well, what sort of advice would you offer anyone anyone listening or watching? I reckon the best bit of advice I've ever received is when things are going well, you're never as good as you think you are. And when things are going bad, you're never as bad as you think you are. Brilliant. Brilliant. Very, very good. Yeah. Now, what's your um, definition of success? Uh, my definition of success is if I follow my process, I've been successful regardless if I make a duck or a hundred. The process of success. <laughs> there we go. That was not scripted either. <laughs> I've actually, that's actually true. Well done. Yeah. All right. Finally, why do you play cricket? Because uh, I love it. Yep. That's a simple answer. Yep. And how can people follow you? You're on Instagram, Twitter. What, what's yeah, your handles? I'm on Instagram. Um, post a lot of stuff about my dog. I'm getting a new dog as well soon so that he'll There'll get a fair bit of airtime. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that's just my name, Will Pukowski. Yep. And then Twitter. I think it's Will Pukowski as well. Okay. Either Will Pukowski or Will Pukowski 10. But All right. Well, we'll, we'll link it in. We'll get it off you and we'll yep. link it in the show notes so everyone can follow you and... Um, follow your journey but Will thanks so much for your thanks time so mate appreciate it. really appreciated you sharing your story and passing on some, some great insight to our, our community so thank you no worries at all been a pleasure well legends I hope you enjoyed this episode with Will Will Pukowski has the cricket world at his feet having smashed all junior records and now a permanent member of the Victorian team the next step is to dominate state cricket and then play international cricket I loved how open he was about his ambition to score 30 test hundreds I'm a massive believer in thinking big as big dreams equals big action and big action equals big results. So whether or not he actually does achieve it, I'm sure he will, he will do great things while aspiring to get there. If you enjoyed it or learned something, then please share it with your friends and on your social media pages. Remember to tag me at Skulls5 as I'd love to hear your thoughts. Make sure you connect with Will as well at Will Pukowski on Instagram. Also, please subscribe to our YouTube channel, Cricket Mentoring, which has just passed a million views of our videos. Thanks to all you legends who have tuned into our content so far. If you want to see the video version of this interview, then it will also be on there. Thanks again for giving up your time and listening to this episode. I hope you've enjoyed it, learned something from it, and realised that anything is possible if you're willing to put in the work. Now it's time to go out and get it done, legends.